0: Don't touch that dial now, we're just getting started. Hello and welcome to the Canon Podcast, Volume 9, Issue 441, in which we are talking about P.T., Playable Teaser. Joining me, Ryan Heyman, in Issue 441 are Brian Edwards. Hello, hello. John Salmon. Hey there. And Leah Haydu.
1: Forgive me, Lisa.
0: There's a lot to talk about in this uh, relatively short game. It can probably be played in its entirety in, what, 20, 30 minutes?
2: Yeah, the playthrough I watched this morning, I think, was like nineteen minutes, something like that. Okay. Yeah,
3: it's it's like that if you know what you're doing. If you're fumbling around on your first time, it's probably more like an hour or so, but it's not mm-hmm. yeah, it's not long by any stretch of the imagination, no matter what you're doing.
0: Anyways, PT is in a roundabout way the most recent entry in the Silent Hill series. So to kind of go through Uh, some of the previous podcasts that we've recorded on this series if you would like to be well read about the uh, chronology although the chronology of silent hill other than the just kind of um the name being attached to the project doesn't really play into the continuity of this game so don't feel like you're going to be lost if you are not a silent hill aficionado and in fact it might actually benefit you if you are coming into this blind um uh, but, anyways, we have recorded several podcasts about the Silent Hill series. Silent Hill 1, we recorded back on Canaan Rinse 151. Silent Hill 2 in issue 155. Silent Hill 3 in 159. Silent Hill 4, Val Room, in 163. Silent Hill Origins in 167. Silent Hill Homecoming in 171. Silent Hill Shattered Memories in 175. And Silent Hill Downpour in 179. So it's uh it's been a long time since we've talked about Silent Hill. Um, but we are back in the uh back in the old town, potentially, who knows? <laughs> yeah, uh, are we really? <laughs> for the last few seconds anyways. <laughs> for the bit that's a cutscene. In issue four forty one to talk about PT, which is the well, we'll get into uh the how it relates to the uh Silent Hill series, but essentially uh, this is a playable teaser for what was going to be the newest entry in the series, just called Silent Hills. Uh, so it narrowly sidesteps that thing that I can't stand, which, uh, which is video games just releasing with the same name as a previous game, like God of War 2018 or Doom 2016, um, by uh, adding an S on to the end of it, uh, like an Alien sequel. So um, as far as I'm concerned, that's, that's A-OK wanted to start off with, uh, with a piece of correspondence from the forum. This comes from Ordinary Cole Scuttle, who says, I bought a PS4 partly to play PT and in hopes of playing Silent Hills on it when it first came out. Sigh. One thing I'll say is that it really showcased the power of that console's wireless controller, because within about 15 minutes of play, I was standing outside my bedroom, playing anxiously from the safe distance of the banister. It finally captured what I love about Silent Hill— That strange, creeping atmosphere, the Lynchian ability to take an ordinary location and imbue it with the most poignant sense of dread, and without any overwrought cult stuff or desperate invocations of Pyramid Head. In many ways, it feels to me like how the third season of Twin Peaks would feel a year or so later, a return to a classic and distinctive series that understands that capturing the original spirit lies in taking risks, experimenting, and not basking in past glories. Um anyway so we want to give a spoiler spoiler warning for uh PT it's a short game um so normally we would advise uh with a short game like this and especially one that is free um just go ahead and play it and then come back here and listen to the podcast but um easier said than done in this potential um potentially here because uh, this is a game that you cannot acquire any longer under normal circumstances. Um, it is a game that was pulled from the PlayStation Store, uh, the only location where it was available. And so if you want to play it these days, you have to get a little creative, either by if you still have it installed on your PlayStation 4 um, from the time that it, the brief window that it was available, then of course it still works on your PlayStation and you can even carry it forward to your PlayStation 4 Pro, or even potentially your PS5, the jury's still kind of out until we actually see it in progress. But there's at least some sort of kind of a a kind of a promising uh, idea that it may be uh, doable in the future. Um, But we'll see that we'll see in a month or two um, how Uh, how possible that ends up being
3: um i I didn't know it was possible to carry it between different playstations like if you had an original playstation when it came out which i guess everybody did and then upgraded to a pro i didn't realize that you could actually get it onto your pro
0: yeah if you don't sell off your original playstation before getting your pro then um if you have both of them kind of active and on at the same time then you can transfer uh a lot of data um from the uh just via wi-fi transfer so that's I think it was kind of built to transfer save data but you can also transfer uh game installs including pt so i have uh, pt on my ps4 pro right now and um it's uh, it's one of those games it's kind of like um you know there's this uh kind of romantic notion of uh vinyl records that you know because it is literally a needle kind of scraping across the record that every time you listen to it it is slowly destroying the um uh, the physical kind of representation of the music, and it's not going to be as kind of crisp as the first time that you listen to it. You know, in the same in the same way, every year there are fewer and fewer copies of PT available. It is literally a disappearing game. So, um, for those of you who are still interested in playing along but don't have access to PT, uh, there are other ways, in a way, to experience it. Personally, first of all, I think this is a game that holds up surprisingly well to just kind of a passive viewing experience. So, uh, you know, more than something a super mechanical heavy, like, a you know, Mario Odyssey or something like that, like, I think watching a playthrough of this on YouTube will give you a uh, very strong idea of um, what the game is like. But uh, if you want to, you know, fully experience it yourself, there are a handful of uh, people who have kind of taken it upon themselves to recreate PT in uh in various ways. Um and again we'll get into some more of those later, but there's a there's an excellent um Unreal Engine uh remake. I think there's one made in Unity as well, and so if you're uh if you have a PC that can handle it then um there are ways to experience something that is kind of like, you know, 95% there to PT. Um but uh I think we'll get into this later, but there are I I would expect there to be some differences because there are some things about PT that we still don't understand, (laughs) even after all these years and even after so many people have spent hours and hours and hours of time dissecting and discussing, like there are mechanical things about the game that are still... Just kind of best guesses, which to me is kind of magical, and it makes it feel even more haunted in a way. <laughs> that like you know, even following guides to complete the game, there are some steps that are like this works most of the time. We don't know what would cause it to work all of the time. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of cool, and we can talk about our experiences with it in uh, in just a moment here. But first, I wanted to go into some of the um, some of the release details. So this was released on August 12th of 2014 on the PS4. Um, this was, uh, a free download on the PlayStation store. It was just kind of, uh, released almost kind of anonymously in a way. Uh, and in fact, it was, uh, credited to a fake, I guess, fake development studio. Um, not a development studio that, has under the same name done anything else. I'm just trying to be careful with my wording there because, of course, real people made this, and I assume it was a team of people who have worked together on other stuff under Kojima, but um, they just decided to take on a fake studio name uh, for the um, purpose of this production, which was 7780's studio, which some may speculate goes into... (laughs) uh the solution of some of the later puzzles as far as like a numerology hint but anyways we'll we'll get into some of the weird ludicrous stuff that people have uh have speculated on to solve some of the game's more uh complex puzzles later on but anyways it was developed under kind of a pseudonym published by konami um directed by hideo kojima and guillermo del toro uh, as a teaser for a project that they would be working on with um, famed kind of Japanese horror, uh, manga artist Junji Ito, the full kind of Silent Hills game that didn't end up coming to fruition produced on the Fox engine, um, starring Norman Reedus, uh, as, um, as Kojima would later kind of follow up with, with, um, with Death Stranding. Uh, this game is in a way as much of a teaser for Death Stranding as it was for Silent Hills. Um, it turned out, Uh, And there are some interesting speculations on some behind the scenes details that we can uh, get into uh, just after going into our own histories here that um, that might kind of connect the two titles uh, even more kind of intrinsically and directly. So this game is going to be a little bit weird to talk about reviews and accolades and stuff like that, um, because it has a uh, it has no consensus on Metacritic. It has zero reviews because you know like you know that other kind of position said it's not a commercial game it's not a game that people were expecting to review as a part of the kind of video game review system there was no you know obviously pr codes or anything sent out it was a kind of a stealth drop that um, wasn't even attached to the silent hill series franchise name until people beat the game and saw the teaser video at the end of it. That was the point at which it became kind of a surprise teaser for Silent Hill. So yeah, zero critic reviews. Um, It has a user score of 8.7 on Metacritic based on 346 reviews and a user score of 9.4 on IMDb based on 1,158 reviews as of the time of recording. It has received several accolades though, and I feel like that might be... uh, it might give a better barometer for the kind of reputation that had around launch. And since then, than uh, then the non-existent, uh, critic review scores. So GameSpot gave it the game of the month in August, 2014, whatever that means. Uh, giant bomb gave it the best horror game of 2014 navigator. <laughs> good old George Wooden, the navigator. I uh, gave it innovation in game technology that year. Polygon listed it as the 10th best game of 2014. Slant Magazine gave it the 8th best horror game of the year. The AV Club gave it the greatest horror game of all time, um, retroactively, in 2018. It is still kind of worth noting how how common it is to see PT among these kind of of game-of-the-generation conversations, you know, as people are publishing articles or just sharing their own lists you know pt is popping up not as frequently as maybe the last of us part two or other games that are kind of the more kind of commercial big budget high marketing budget type of um type of games but like it is uh cropping up more frequently than we'd be expected for a game that released for free relatively anonymously and um some argue isn't even a full game. It's 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 an interesting piece of video game history, and uh, especially interesting since it's one that people can't experience in earnest in the same way that we did at lunch going forward. So, um, yeah, a bit of a weird one, but that makes it really exciting to talk about. So let's go into our histories. Um, I'm going to be pretty brief here and that uh, I downloaded this when it was getting really good word of mouth. I probably fiddled around with it a little bit around the time that it was new, but it was one that I just kind of kept on my hard drive and um, I just would revisit mostly to show other people um, because it is a really kind of effective tool and it's very accessible. I think a lot of the puzzles get pretty heady later on, but I think anyone can pick up the controller, walk through the hallway and be scared. (laughs) Like, you know, you don't like the game is a pretty compelling experience even before you get to the point in which you have to start solving puzzles. So it was one that I would frequently show to people. Um, a criticism I would have is that uh, it doesn't have like a menu. I guess that's kind of interesting that it kind of just drops you into the game, uh, but there's no way to reset your progress from within the software. You have to do that by going to the uh, PlayStation 4's kind of data management um, in the, uh, system settings menu and delete the save data, which is always a terrifying experience because you don't want to delete the game. You just want to delete the save data. So that's one where, you know, I always have to check like eight times that I'm reading it correctly whenever I, uh, have to, um, reset my data. But, uh, yeah, have I've done that a few times. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, kind of played it through a few times over the years um leah how about you
1: so i did not have a ps4 yet when this game came out so i don't own pt and i never have um i have played it through well, sorry
0: we're gonna to have to kick you off the podcast oh, then thanks for dropping by okay uh-
1: <laughs> sorry no, I- yeah
3: i'll pack up my stuff as well all right
2: <laughs> yeah me too sorry Ryan. No, it's just you now
0: Johnny. <laughs>
1: this solo solo act today um no so (laughs) i um but i have played pt through uh, a couple of times on other people's ps4s uh in fact there is uh actually video evidence of me playing through the entirety of pt uh still on youtube somewhere um from when i was uh doing a previous podcast uh, some other castle with uh with elaine and um yeah so we we played through that, and at the time though that um that I played through that the first time, I had already seen a little bit of the game and i I had already uh, kind of poked at it a little bit when when uh I played it and recorded the video for it, we were uh kind of following a walkthrough or at least we started to follow a walkthrough when things start to get really obscure towards the end so i yeah i have I have played it completely um end to end and, uh, have also, yeah, just, uh, it's, I am a Silent Hill fan anyway. Um, I've played through all of the games, uh, up to this point that have been released. And, uh, if it had, uh, if Silent Hills had come to fruition, I would have been all over it. So we will get into some of the reasons why I, uh, was so fascinated, why a lot of people were so fascinated with this game. So I won't I won't go too far into that now. But uh, I like horror games. I like uh, I like Silent Hill in particular. So this was kind of a natural fit for me. I'm sad that I don't have access to the original anymore. Um, but I have watched a number of videos uh, in the interim of various people playing and uh, and having their own experiences with it. So uh, yeah, that's that's where I am.
2: Right. How about Brian? Yeah, so uh, much like Leah, I did not um, ever own, currently don't own PT on my either PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 4 Pro. Um, I was really lucky uh, in the fact that um i i kind of got to the playstation Four a little bit late i didn't have one when that came out much of leah and a friend of mine did have one and there was one night where uh uh, the the four of us him and his wife and myself and and my wife were were all together having dinner and he said hey do you want to try this out i said sure yeah i've heard a lot about it and he said he couldn't get past like the first five ten minutes because it scared scared him like really bad so we shut the lights off and we kind of played it as a communal experience (laughs) so it was the Mm -hmm. like i i had the controller for i'd say like 75 percent of it there were a couple times where i I had to pass it off uh, particularly during the section where you have to find the photo bits we didn't really know what to do uh but yeah i would say over the course of about an hour and a half to two hours we we played through and ended up completing it with um a guide to help us with the very last section of it and uh i remember it as one of those wonderful experiences kind of like you see like a horror movie with the right group of people like everybody was kind of jump scaring at the same time and and it kind of getting the creepy vibes and we were all kind of coming up independently with our theories about what was going on and sharing them back and forth and um, so yeah so that was the the first time that I played through PT about a month after that I asked uh, my friend if I could come over and, and play through it again and this time I, I kind of went through it more like just kind of less about experiencing it the first time but just trying to like kind of absorb every detail I could about it because I found the whole the whole thing just fascinating um, I don't think that that point yet we had known that silent hills would can was canceled and it was taken off already i think i think that was pretty soon afterwards but so yeah i actually played through the game twice myself on somebody else's ps uh, ps4 and then leading up to and actually in between then and doing this podcast i've watched you know uh you know countless hours of you know theories and easter eggs and you know videos and playthroughs and things like that so right, and how about john
0: uh
3: yeah i mean I I I would give my usual disclaimer that my memory is absolutely shocking so certain facts and stuff may not may not hold true today uh, but I I kind of remember this being like a gamescom announcement I'm looking at the dates mm-hmm. at the moment and it seems like it was it was technically released within 24 hours of gamescom starting in that year I, I I sort of remember it being one of those things where they showed a teaser trailer or something beforehand and it had the thing at the end like you can go and download and play this now and then by, you know, six hours later, the Internet was full of, um, you know, people breaking the story that, oh, my God, this thing that looked super innocuous is actually a, a trailer for the new Silent Hill game that hasn't technically, I guess, been announced at that point. And I, like Brian and Leah, did not have a PS4 at that point or uh, was was still kind of on the way to getting one. But um, I just started uh, just started working with Tony maybe a month beforehand. I remember him saying oh you need to you need to come over and we should we should play this one evening and it this was probably like i don't know maybe a week or so after it came out maybe later dates are kind of foggy on it but it was super recent but I'm pretty sure at that point everybody knew that it was you know knew the sort of the secrets behind it knew that it was a silent hill trailer so we kind of sat down and played it and I think it from trying to play it again recently the idea of playing it sort of co-op with somebody else and, you know, having some drinks and stuff really kind of takes a lot of the tension out of it, really takes some of the I don't want to turn around because I don't want to see what might be standing right behind me when when there's two of you together. You just kind of laugh about it and sort of shrug all the potentially scary stuff off. So I remember playing it and thinking... You know, this is this thing that everybody is saying is super, super terrifying and it's like one of the most scary things and that they've ever played and not really getting that experience out of it, unfortunately. So that was <laughs> more than six years ago now, I guess. And I've tried really, really hard to to get a replay of it for the podcast. I mean, it's, it's easy enough to just watch walkthroughs and things and I have, I have watched a few videos, but I downloaded, I think it was the Unreal Engine remake of this, a little while back I'm like the dates on it show the end of 2019 I think it might have been just after it was like fully released in in a completely finalized form or just before it was a completely finalized thing and I've tried really really hard to get through that and I just can't do it there it's either a problem with me a problem with my computer not being so great but for some reason or another i always got up to the point where it either wouldn't register some of the like the button clicks or the when you're trying to focus in on something just physically wouldn't do it or it would like crash after you know the first seven run throughs the whole way and you'd reboot it up and it would be starting over at the beginning and there were lots of other weird little problems. Like I'd start it up, and you could hear the sound, but you couldn't see any visuals. Or you could hear the sound, but it would it would sound like it was really sped up or distorted. And it got to the point where I tried it enough times, and it kept crashing or kept wouldn't registering. And I I gave up in the end and finished it off with a walkthrough. Which is it's it's slightly disappointing because I wanted to see how the the pc version that doesn't have any vibration or may or may not have a microphone depending on your computer setup like how that tackles the the aspects in the final puzzle that require you to kind of wait until your controller vibrates or to speak into the controller speaker but i guess i don't know
0: uh, let's get into the actual experience of playing the game itself. About an hour into the podcast, <laughs> let's go through the story first. The game is a fairly simple mechanical experience, and we'll loop back to that, uh, so to speak. Excuse me. I, I, we should really, we should really kind of keep track of take, any take a inadvertent shot every mechanical time. puns. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, but let's get into some 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 of the kind of surrounding details. So this game, kind of in its entirety almost except for the ending cutscene takes place within a hallway in a way um hallway that connects uh seemingly uh, impossible spaces um you know you walk out of a room uh kind of a concrete room that you begin in uh you walk out into a hallway you make a turn there's a bathroom there is a uh kind of a foyer entryway that presumably leads outside And then there is a uh, series of stairs that go downwards into another door that kind of spits you out again at the beginning of the loop. And through the environment, it ends up uh, telling a lot of the story or at least setting the scene for the story that may or may not be being told in that space. So, you know, just kind of with a casual walkthrough, you'll notice a lot of uh, interesting details. There's, um... Some very kind of 70s-tastic wedding photos uh, that you'll see kind of on the the banisters along the way. There's almost, you know, a kind of a disgusting number of beer cans, cigarettes, trash and rotting food. There's insects crawling on the walls. This is not a place that's being kept in good repair and potentially uh, hints towards a character with alcoholism, or if they did have a healthy drinking schedule, then they uh, they were not too fussed about taking out the trash in a timely manner.
1: There's also a number of um, like empty medication packaging yeah, uh, that's right. uh, around the phone kind and everything. Packs. So yeah, it, it it reads to me very much like they were trying to say this person has some kind of substance abuse history problem whatever it also reminds me a lot of um the house in resident evil 7 uh which Mm -hmm. of course was years after this but um i i I get that same kind of feeling there that like this is a house that once was kind of a normal maybe happy family we don't really know about that part but uh, you know a, a air quotes normal uh family lived here and you know this was probably fine and then something just really went wrong
2: Yeah, I was going to bring up the Resident Evil seven later. I probably still will like the 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 imprint that PT had on horror games going forward can, I think, be most distilled and felt in playing through Resident Evil seven for better and for worse. Uh, Yeah,
0: I'd say that this game uh, or at least the setting here presents a better facade of normalcy than the house in Resident Evil seven. Like that one is a lot more. It feels a lot more grungy than even the kind of grungiest corners of of this particular hallway. And especially I think the, um, where you begin the loop, the hallway looks fairly normal at the beginning. It's not until you really kind of progress down the hallway that you start seeing the the trash and everything. But, uh, um, it is a, uh, I, I think it, it, it is scary because it feels so normal. Whereas Resident Evil seven feels more like, uh, like, you know, it's scary because you're being held somewhere that is close to feeling normal, but, is you know still distinctly somebody else's space.
3: Yeah, and as far as we know, there's no morgue in the basement of this house, or like dissection <laughs> room, or anything like that. As far as we know, it's a relatively normal property. As
0: far as we can tell, but there is a uh, paper bag that is bleeding through. It's uh, it's paper. So <laughs> who knows Wh- what's being while kept it in there. speaks
1: at you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, <laughs> there's some weird stuff that we will we will get to. A um, few more kind of environmental details. There's a bathtub that alternates between full and empty at various points through the adventure. There is at one point a bleeding refrigerator hanging from the uh, the ceiling of the entryway being chained shut um, with something moving around inside. Um, there is a hole in the wall above the bathtub, which could be read as like an environmental kind of or like a just a piece of the house that's being kind of um you know not kept up uh, maybe a place where a picture used to be hanging and in fact that is the solution to one of the puzzles um uh, you have to wait for a picture to kind of fall off the wall and then use that as a people or you know as is um as i alluded to there it it could be read especially looking into the bathroom as a uh, kind of voyeuristic people and you do have to use it as such a couple of times um there is some writing on the walls Forgive me Lisa there's a monster inside of me you'll find um written at uh, at various points in the game there's a uh, kind of photo fragment puzzle um that uh, eventually kind of puts together a message that says my voice can you hear it this sign can you read it i'll wait forever if you'll just if you'll just come to me uh there's um ideas of numerology throughout the the game there's a number two zero four eight six three that is repeated a few times um throughout the game uh there's um yeah some very kind of odd details but i think probably the piece that cements the uh the the mood and tone of the game for me more than anything are the really kind of i don't know i love these the radio broadcasts Mm -hmm. um these are so odd and distinct Um, there are multiple voices that you hear on the radio at various points in the game. Um, And it is, you know, like an old dusty, um, staticky radio with a not too clear signal coming through, you know, just like you'd expect from a horror game or movie. But um, yeah, several voices, there is a kind of traditional reporter who gives very kind of fact-based reporting on a series of murders that have taken place Uh, very mysterious murders. There is an evil voice, um, one with a very different kind of inflection that uh, in my first few playthroughs, I didn't really distinguish this from the traditional reporter voice. I thought it was just kind of this person going on to um, perhaps being kind of influenced by the evil of the setting. But, you know, the performance is very different. Um, And I feel like it's, it's worth kind of denoting this as a separate voice. Uh, this is the voice that tells you to look behind you. Um, the voice that is, uh, seemingly giving commands during a bathroom murder scene. Um, this is the voice that, um, first introduces the 204863 number. Uh, there, this is a voice that tells you to not, t- uh, trust the tap water. Uh, there is also a Swedish voice that, um, in transla- uh, that translated, gives the message: Close your eyes, let your ears listen to the radio. Do you hear my voice? Can you hear your own soul's scream? Let us choose my voice that tells the future, or your tortured, inaudible. Well, what do you choose? You can choose your life, your future. Wise as you are, you might already have discovered it. Yes, the radio drama from seventy-five years ago was true. They are here on our earth, and they monitor and see all. Don't trust anyone. Don't trust the police. They are already controlled by them. That's the way it has been for seventy-five years now. Only our best will prevail. You have a right—a right to become one of us. So welcome to our world. Very soon the gates to a new dimension will open. Two zero four eight six three two zero four eight six three. And again, the uh, broadcast from seventy-five years ago, referring to the world—the War, War of the Worlds uh, broadcast. And uh, separately, there is a, another voice that people have attributed to, to the in-universe character of, well, we'll call them Jareth, and we'll get back to why we do later on, but this character is, for all intents and purposes, unnamed. But it is potentially the voice that would serve as the speculating, the main character antagonist of the full game potentially it's at least a ghost that seems invested in in getting revenge for being murdered himself Um, he he kind of uh, uh, he tells a story of dad was such a drag and um, you know he he couldn't even murder us in interesting ways uh, that kind of uh, thing also the same voice you hear from the fetus at one point later on Uh, with the thought being that the ghost of, you know, quote unquote, Jareth is possessing the fetus, possessing the radio. Towards the end of the game, he gives kind of a, uh, kind of a monologue there. And um, it culminates in, I will be coming back and I'm bringing my new toys with me, at which point the kind of radio distortion and the static kind of fades. And it sounds more like he's standing in the room with you, which is, Creepy and cool, great little scare at the end. And that's what kind of leads me to believe that he would be the one who's kind of playing a bigger part in the full Silent Hills game. There are some uh, uh, themes of Familicide as we're talking about the radio broadcasts. Um, the broadcasts tell the story of a man who murdered his family. Um, police found him in the car in his, uh, in his garage later on, listening to the radio It tells another story of a man who killed his family and hanged himself in his garage with a, with a hose. Another voice says that this is an umbilical cord at one point. So he, this man apparently wasn't the same as the first man because they had very different fates. Um, But it appears to be kind of a string of seemingly unrelated murders in a very kind of similar manner. And then there's points throughout the adventure where you'll you'll hear what sounds kind of like a number station, which is a real-life unexplained phenomenon of um, kind of Cold War era. Well, I guess people have speculated that it is kind of like a way that Russian spies would communicate with one another by producing radio broadcasts that just kind of read a sequence of seemingly random numbers in a way that they would potentially have ciphers to decode um and so you'll uh, you'll hear that um throughout the throughout the game as well and then some references back to it the radio broadcast said that uh, several days before the murders neighbors say they heard the father repeating a sequence of numbers in a loud voice they said it was like he was chanting some strange spell so you know, there's the potential that this could be kind of like a number station awakening sleeper agents, Manchurian candidate style. Um, there, this could be a ghost that is possessing people, but anyways, there's a lot of details going on here and, um, a lot of kind of conspiratorial language. Don't trust the police. Don't trust the tap water. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, um, details that are, that don't provide a ton of clarity, but I think set the stage really well for a feeling of paranoia, kind of a helplessness that there, we don't understand what's going on, but there is something kind of larger than life happening here. Um, what do you all make of the radio broadcasts?
3: I mean, this is the kind of the $64 million question, isn't it, is uh, how would this have played into what potentially was going to turn into Silent Hills? And, you know, you can, you can spend, six and a half years I suppose after this has come out speculating and creating YouTube videos and saying well you know it's sort of there's an element of cultism in here there's an element of spies in here there's this idea that these, these men who've all murdered their families are some sort of plants that have you know it's it's setting up sort of a greater story about you know who did this why was this being done you know what are the ghosts involved who is if for lack of a better word uh, a better explanation who is Jareth you know, would would we have ever seen where all of this would have gone? Would we have seen an explanation? Or, you know, at the other end of that spectrum, is this just literally a teaser, which is designed to, you know, to show you, well, look, you know, we, we know how to make something creepy and something that's going to burrow into your head. And, you know, there's no onus on, on anybody to have ever expanded on any of this. I mean, if you, you want to look at this in a really kind of, you know, bare bones level this is just a load of weird creepy stuff that that could have been slapped together that has no further explanation required mm. or sort of no greater yeah. meaning to it and in it, it's it 's the the rest of the world who's spent years obsessing over this and creating this narrative around this that 's barely hinted at inside mm-hmm. the game which whichever way you want to look at that, whether this is you know, a very basic story that would have been expanded in a in a future game, or if it is just a proof of concept of we know how to make something spooky. Either way, it's really fascinating looking at it and looking at quite how obsessed a lot of people have become with it. So, it, it feels like they they certainly achieved anything that they would have been set out to try and achieve with this. it's it's as much as I'll go into later, uh, my kind of feelings about maybe apprehensive nature towards Silent Hills what you see here is absolutely fascinating regardless
2: I do think there's something cool about just the use of radio broadcasts um, when they're done well in games especially in this tight circumstance because you turn that corner you can hear that crackling and static and it, it like like it it like kind of cones you in right like it, it's like almost like a tractor beam for the player like you hear this faint sound and so you were just you're naturally drawn closer to it because you want you know you're already in this tight and closed space it's already quiet kind of thing and like and I'm not sure about Uh, how you guys feel uh, and uh, about this but like in horror games normally where there's like a sound like that as like I feel drawn to it because I feel like that's gonna be a safe space you know I mean like they clearly want me to come here and listen to this thing so Mm -hmm. I'm you know I'm not gonna be attacked by Lisa here in the in this short window of time and and each time the radio was playing something new I felt like it was giving me some other piece of important information and now like John just said like maybe it turns out to be You know, nothing in the grand scheme of if Silent Hills ever gets released. But for me, like those were moments where I would kind of like pause and take notice and take, you know, try to listen to what the broadcast were saying. Take my in my surroundings a little bit, like try to figure out more what's going on. And I just think they were used. They were sparse enough. And interesting enough to be used effectively to kind of it, it gets you to keep turning that corner in the loop. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in the future. But it, it, where it particularly where the radio was positioned was a nice way to just kind of drive that player forward to do another loop, because I'm always waiting to see, is the radio going to be chirping at me again and telling me something, giving me another you know nugget of information to kind of put the puzzle together?
1: So, um, while I, I definitely agree that the radio is used very effectively here. But what I will say is that I kind of have the option opposite response to hearing it. And I think that might be in part because I have played Silent Hill games before. um, And generally, in Silent Hill games, when you I, I don't think that this is true for every single one, but it's true for a lot of them, that the way that you know monsters are around is that you have a radio with you. And it crackles static when things are about to go south. So I I think whether it's conscious or not, I think that that is put there as kind of a clue that this is an unsettling thing in this in this situation. And, And it doesn't start out that way. You know, it starts out with this is just a regular radio. You're hearing a broadcast. And yes, the broadcast is unsettling, but it's just a broadcast. It's just the news. And then slowly you start to hear. You know more of that—that that other voice that is uh, kind of spouting out things that wouldn't normally be on the radio. You know, you start to hear voices in other languages, and you start to hear uh, just really bad, unsettling, and and just off things coming from it so um yeah i I would say that um while it's very good as a driving feature i i don't i don't know if it's supposed to make you feel safe um it, it did not for me at least it did not do that
0: and in fact uh that is the radio is one of the things that triggers one of the jump scares in a way um at the point at which the evil voice is saying look behind you if you do look behind you then you will be attacked by lisa Um, the way to avoid that jump scare is to not look behind you to not obey the radio. Um, But uh, yeah, to give a a timeline of events from the best that we can kind of piece things together. In 1983, Jay is born to Lisa and her husband. Uh, In 1987, uh, a daughter is born to Lisa and her husband as well. In December of 1992, Ah, uh, the first reported femicide with the rifle and meat cleaver, uh, which is likely the um, peephole bath murder. I guess we'll call it because you can hear a uh, large kind of bladed object being used in um, being used to murder a woman in in the bath. Um, which you can infer it's something that you hear only that you don't see. You're looking into a bathroom, but you don't see anything unusual for you know this game <laughs> taking place um you you just hear a fairly graphic and very disturbing uh murder of um somebody being uh being kind of hacked up there's sl- sloshing water around it's kind of choking on her own blood it's really terrible um that is one of the kind of solutions to one of the puzzles to kind of get things to keep on moving forward so presumably the december 92 murder is uh or series of murders is that one um in december of ninety two lisa's husband loses his job and begins drinking in december of ninety two uh Lisa uh to help out with the family gets a job at the grocery store and she also gets pregnant around that time uh there's some speculation that it might be you know due to the uh grocery store manager because apparently he only gave her the job because he kind of fancies the way that she looks in a skirt and so you know there might be some um, you know hints to infidelity there that could have kind of prompted uh, the father to you know dive deeper into his alcoholism, his depression after losing his own job in um, September of '93. A second family is murdered with a gun. Uh, another kind of father femicide murder in October 29th of '93. Lisa's husband is heard by neighbors chanting uh, 204863 in a loud voice. He purchases the rifle on October 29th. On October 31st, Halloween of 93, Lisa's husband murders his family with the rifle. Uh, He shoots Lisa while she's cleaning up. Uh, The son comes in to check and see what's going on and is shot the daughter hides in the bathroom and the daughter the father lures her out uh, by saying it's just a game and shoots her when she comes out so really grim stuff he's later found by the police in the um in his car listening to the radio and on october 31st of 2013 uh is the date that pt the events of pt occur although they're there might be some hints as to the hallway potentially jumping around in time a little bit, but uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, the events of the main character kind of going back to what is either his home or representation of a home, Or you know, there's really, we don't know how the main character relates to any of the events, if he does at all, um, the Norman Reedus character, but um, anyways, that is a rough timeline of events. Uh, really grim, really kind of horrific events taking place, but um really kind of effective setting the stage for a horror experience, something that feels profoundly creepy and unnerving and paranoid um throughout
1: yeah the with regards to the uh the hallway kind of time traveling uh, it it would have to to some extent because the radio broadcasts are being presented as though they're current, but mm. the actual events that it's that it's talking about happened twenty years ago, so I mean, it, it could just be it could just be that the radio itself is haunted or possessed or whatever, or that it's you know just part of the the atmosphere that that whatever force it is that is in this house has taken it over. But yeah, it 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 almost looks like I mean, I, I guess it's possible that the entire hallway has kind of just not been touched since. But with all of the pictures that have um, that have basically not been moved i mean they all look pretty much the same mm. it, it just i don't know I, I i think i kind of took it as that the hallway was somehow locked in the in the time period immediately after the murders
3: I said, there's no way that banana is 20 years old it hasn't been <laughs> sitting there for that long
0: <laughs> but at the same time there's like a lot of insects and stuff around and you know like some of the walls are definitely falling apart and things are being you know, things are kind of in disrepair so it feels mm. like there is some time being applied to at least some of it i don't know.
2: Yeah, kind of like it seems to like switch though, right? Like like the insects appear like with certain cues and th- certain like as certain memories or flashes of information mm-hmm. kind of come through. So it c- I, I definitely think that there's there's some time wonkiness happening, trademark time wonkiness. Um mm-hmm. but uh but yeah, who uh, as to like when is this hallway and house or, you know, presumed house scenario in one spot or kind of in flux, or is it kind of, you know, kind of smushed together in the whole every timeline kind of on top of itself? Um, it's definitely up for, for some on debate, but um, I will say that that bathroom looks like it's spent about 20 years not having anything done to it, so I could believe that certain areas of the house have been there for quite some time,
0: and uh, we can see this is kind of an unimportant detail, but the clock. Uh, the digital clock in the hallway is stuck at 2359 for the majority of the game. Uh, One of the puzzles is to wait until it clicks over to zero, 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 you know, midnight. Uh, So in that sense, at least a minute passes honestly (laughs) throughout the game. Um, But then when you reset the loop um, by going through the, uh, through the doorway at the end of the hallway, it does reset back to 2359. So there is some weird stuff going on there. Let's talk about Lisa. Lisa is the most memorable character of the game, I would say. She is a looming presence over this entire uh over this entire experience. Um, she is the ghost that you encounter at several points throughout the game. Again, going back to the uh the work done by the great debate, uh, Voidberger and Bob Servo, YouTubers, uh on their own getting together to speculate more about the silent hill series um, her design was inspired by traditional yuri or Yurei ghost design from japan uh, which is the you'll be familiar with kind of the long black hair white dress white skin dangling hands um based on how ghosts were kind of codified in kabuki theater um you'll recognize that from the uh from the ring and other you know kind of modern things that uh kind of crossover japanese horror hits uh it's kind of a very familiar very familiar trope in a way uh she doesn't fit it kind of one for one she doesn't have the long hair her hair is kind of shorter uh but um but then there's um other aspects of um other types of japanese ghosts there's the ubume i'm going to say uh a japanese ghost of a woman who died in childbirth Um, depicted soaked in blood from the waist down um so yeah there's some apparently seems like uh, kojima's kind of drawing upon your references to ghosts that kind of go back in japanese culture for a long long time kind of drawing upon that kind of collective unconscious idea of what a ghost looks like in his culture but making some kind of very unique and uh modern updates to to her design. She is a very strange design to look at. She's missing one of her eyes. She's, uh, she has extraordinarily long legs for some reason. Um, she's very tall and, uh, has a very, uh, very strange gait when she's walking around. Um, almost a kind of like a video glitch type of, uh, type of look, but, uh, what do we all make of Lisa?
1: Well, she does look good in a skirt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really see what uh, her boss was seeing in her, right?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think that was the most honestly and legitimately scared I've been by like you know visual mm. specter language in a game in quite some time. Um, uh, like that first time I saw her, I was just you round that one corner and she's just kind of down the hallway, and mm. not having played the game before, I just kind of approach her to see if I can interact with her, and that way she just instantly almost like teleportedly gets right in the character's face and you get that real look at just how like everything about her is just wrong right and it just like like everything feels just Mm. like distorted and chaotically ugly in this way that just like everything Mm. just her presence near you is just something that to me just like made every like every one of those goosebump triggers just kind of hitting at once so I mean it's so incredibly well designed as for, by you know for as far as I'm concerned and uh and what you said about her gait like you said like it's almost like almost like she's glitching through her like existence you know and um yeah incredibly effective for me yeah, yeah. i mean as we said before it's a relatively short game and although lisa
3: pops up a number of times in you know sort of very uh, uh gratuitous style jump scares appearing right in front of your face and at one point i think it's you know, it's, you have to have it um, happen during the storyline that she sort of picks you up, and I, I'm assuming that the um, the implication is that she sort of chokes your character out and you die and restart the loop in that um, that aspect. But you get like a really nice look at her uh, gouged out eye and horrible yellow, sort of decaying looking teeth and stuff. Uh, it's I mean, it's it's a an image that's kind of it's obviously stuck through a lot of other horror. I mean, one of the games I've been playing. Uh, in the last couple of weeks is Layers of Fear. And that game has a, a sort of a ghostly woman character who, I mean, it, I would say has been taken inspiration from PT, like almost to the point where, you know, you could get lawyers involved in saying, hey, come <laughs> on, you've, you've sort of taken our, you cripped our idea. And there's, there's a lot of points in that game and in other, other Bloober Team games that you can tell that they are, incredibly obviously influenced by by pt in a lot of ways but i think the yeah the sort of the lisa ghost appearing again in layers of fear is just it's hard to call it like a tribute rather than just you know a a sort of a ripping off but the um it, it just shows the the influence that this has had and I think um, the points where you kind of she's there, but she's kind of not not sort of really active. I think there's one bit where you come around and she's standing outside the window peering in at you and another point where she's up on the balcony above you. If you turn around and look at her, it's just her presence is really unnerving.
0: There's um, I'm a real kind of wimp when it comes to uh, horror games, unfortunately, and as much as I love the kind of horror aesthetic, like I I'm terrible at actually playing them. (laughs) like I'm just too I'm just too much of a chicken for that kind of thing most of the time and so here I am hosting uh one of the scariest games that I've uh, I've played myself but uh anyways um I think there like there's so many moments in this that just kind of feel iconic in a way like you know I hate to use that word because it's been rendered so meaningless but really that first time that you round that corner on the what second or third loop through the hallway and she is just kind of standing at the end of the hallway, you know, kind of askew and menacing with the light, you know, kind of shining from behind her, backlit, Uh, and so she is just kind of being cast in shadow. As long as you don't move, you can kind of stand there and stare at her for as long as you want to, really, like
1: I did that for a while, actually, because I didn't want to go near her. I was afraid I would, I would spook her and she'd run at me. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. I really do enjoy horror games and films and and just media in general. Um, but something I won't say that jump scares don't work on me because they do work. They have the intended effect. I am startled and uh, and I don't. I don't especially like it, but what makes horror truly effective for me doesn't have much to do with the jump scares. Not always, but they they are overused, to my opinion, um, mm-hmm. and, and they can kind of be a cheap trick if they're not employed thoughtfully. What really, for me, kind of works and makes something genuinely scary rather than just uh, you know startling, I guess, is kind of the pervading sense of of dread and and the the fact that you are in danger or uh, that you are in a situation that you shouldn't be in. And I think that with Lisa, they actually kind of do a good job of doing both of those things because the jump scares come as a result of the fact that you know she's there, yet you can yeah. hear her, um, I, I, I don't like the haunting noises that she starts making, like just the background noises. I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but um, there is somebody on, uh, in so- on social media actually discovered a way to kind of lock the camera and found out by doing that, that she is actually attached to the player character at all times. She is always behind you, which I think is kind of fascinating because like, what better what better way to like make you feel like you're being followed all the time than to actually have you being followed
3: yeah the the implication of that is kind of more terrifying than how it's it's actually Mm -hmm. used in the game because i think that's that's true but the model is behind you but always invisible or always disappears when you turn around so it's not like she's always there but as you say the the assets are kind of locked to each other which is yeah, like that's a creepy pastor in itself.
0: Yeah, you so give some context to that. Um, that is a YouTuber who uh, has done a lot of um, PS4 hacking named Lance McDonald. Shares a lot of his stuff on YouTube and Twitter. Uh, really impressive and a lot of good kind of unseen content uh, videos for PT and Bloodborne and other types of games like that. But um, there is a particular loop through the hallway where if you get between... If you put yourself between a light and a wall, then you'll see your shadow is actually Lisa's shadow. And as you walk through the hallway, you'll hear your footstep sounds different. You're doing like a like a one, one hard kind of clop and then a softer footstep to kind of represent how Lisa is wearing one high-heeled shoe and no shoe on the other foot. So the implication is for that particular loop, you are either being possessed by Lisa or being followed by Lisa. And so for that loop in particular, the character model of Lisa is being suspended behind the viewpoint of the character Mm -hmm. so that it would catch the light, cast the shadows. So I think it's more of a kind of a technical trick for one particular loop to get like the particular special effects that they were going for. But like it is incredibly effective. I don't think it is throughout the entire game. I think it is just for that one portion, just to kind of clarify
1: even if it is only for the one loop i i feel like it really like it's subtle like you you don't you're yeah, not totally. saying hey she is definitely behind you you know you, it's you're if it's things that are supposed to be one way are just the tiniest bit off like your footsteps not sounding right or, or you know, your shadow not yeah. being exactly correct. It, it, it's something that I mean, if you sat down and thought about it, yeah, and then, yes, of course, you can see that, you know, it, it matches up to these things. But if you're in that situation and you are already unnerved and you are already trying to get through this as quickly as you can to get yourself out the other side, then you're probably not going to think that you're just going to know in your head that something is wrong. And I I think that's way more effective than jump scares personally. Got
0: me a jump scare once I was, uh, after I had seen Lance McDonald's video, I, uh, was interested in kind of like testing it. And so I, I found that loop, found my shadow starting to act up. And I was like, Oh, I wonder if I, if I back up from the wall, you know, is there a point I've seen in the video, how far behind the character model Lisa actually is. Can I get her clipped into the wall? What does that do to my shadow? And as I was kind of experimenting and walking back and forth and, you know hearing the noises and stuff like that i uh i ended up getting a jump scare and i felt like yeah i deserve that <laughs> I she was right behind me i was tempting fate <laughs> anyways but yeah just uh kind of go back to that original point just like the the point at which you first see her standing at the end of the hallway so iconic like seeing her at the top of the stairway on that second story looking down at you from above is like absolutely terrifying like the fact that like it is a place that in that particular in that particular loop, something does fall and kind of alerts you that something weird is going on above, but it falls from the opposite direction, so there's nothing that directly calls your attention to where she is standing. It's more one of those things that people discovered a couple of weeks after the game came out, started sharing on Twitter, and people were like, "Oh, she was there the whole time, and I didn't even notice and it's, uh, yeah, it's like, this feels like the kind of game where people discover things later and it becomes creepier in retrospect. Um, and I, I love that And least such a smart design and, um, just very well implemented. You know, it's, it makes death feel consequential without installing like a live system or anything that feels like very mechanically gamey mechanically. It actually helps you out because that like the, uh, the paper bag doesn't start talking to you until Lisa kills you once. And there's a few things that don't happen until you are killed. And so it is necessary. But uh, just the, the jump scare is so visceral and it affects everyone who's played it that I've seen so much that like, it does feel like a real consequence for, for poking around too much. And um, it's, it's effective. Uh, I love it.
3: Yeah, there, there's that aspect of, I think um, Brian mentioned earlier, like when you come into a loop, and you hear that the radio's on there is almost that sense of relief of oh that, you know the thing that's weird here is going to be the radio it's going to let me listen to the radio whatever's going on and then i'm going to leave this isn't going to be something where you know i specifically have to look at something scary or have to be killed you know the the radio is the focal point here and as you say that kind of doesn't really play out but it doesn't uh it does mm-hmm. sort of give you that sense of dread the game in general that oh i'm going to go through this loop and the thing that's going to get me to go through it is by having to stare at something that's going to jump scare me, and that's you know it's a that's a feeling that I think the the tension and the dread that build up to it is way worse than the you know the actual payoff of the jump scare and kind of gets you more than that that mm-hmm. brief second of startlement that then disappears almost immediately.
0: Another couple of characters in this game there is the fetus who um you find in a bathroom sink. The bathroom is closed off for the first couple of loops. Um, And the bathroom is pretty horrible, I would say. It's a a grungy, gross bathroom, if if you've ever seen one. And uh, it's the room where you first pick up the flashlight. And so the bathroom is entirely dark. Um, Kind of up until that point, the hallway is relatively well lit, other than the point at which the lights go out when you approach Lisa for the first time. But, you know, the hallway isn't... It doesn't feel as immediately threatening when you first kind of begin your adventure in a way. Um, but you, you have to at one point kind of enter an entirely kind of pitch black bathroom. There's the, uh, the flashlight sitting on the ground, you pick that up and now you are equipped to deal with the game's darker, uh, darker settings. Um, but, uh, yeah, in that bathroom, you find a fetus in a sink who at various points cries during what we call hauntings, which is, Kind of a like a almost like a storm of noise that goes on outside that kind of indicates that Lisa is active and trying to do something, trying to harm you potentially. Um, You are locked in the bathroom. Uh, There's uh, the first haunting you experience is the sound of kind of pounding on the bathroom door to get in, the uh, jiggling of the handle to try to get in. Where you are being kept with the fetus, the fetus starts crying. Um, and it's a, it's a strange fetus as well. It's, it's a real eraser head situation. Um, it's not a, not, it doesn't look like a normal human fetus, or if it does, it would be one that's extremely early in its developmental process, at which point it wouldn't be as large as it is. So it's, yeah, it's, it's an unusual shape. It begins talking at one point later on in the game, um, either of its own accord or, (laughs) Uh, possessed by uh, the ghost of jareth um it's a uh, it's a weird one uh, what do we make of the fetus
1: Here's a sentence you don't expect to say on a podcast <laughs> ever um i I don't know i um I wonder if its appearance has something to do with the fact that um and it doesn't appear to have been injured really, but Lisa was shot in the stomach when she was pregnant so i mean this mm-hmm. I, I, I wonder if that kind of unnatural situation has something to do with the fact that it doesn't look like a normal fetus.
0: Lisa's ghost does appear pregnant throughout the game as well. That's the way that she's modeled.
1: But also the timeline is a little off as well, um, because if we're talking about Lisa having become pregnant around the time she started the job, which would have been in that December, if she's still pregnant at the end of October, then something (laughs) is wrong. I've never had a child, but I can tell you that is not how that works. So I don't know. I, I, there's there's a couple of things that don't line up about about this fetus. So I, I wonder if maybe the fact that it doesn't look quite right has is is kind of a reflection of that.
0: I'll just say uh, to that point, uh, one of the kind of smaller points that the Great Debate um, team made was that in Japan they measure pregnancy as a ten month window instead of a nine month window because they start tracking from the woman's last period instead of like the date of conception. So potentially it might still work out, but she would have been like kind of, you know, ready to burst at that point. Even yeah. so even under the kind of Japanese uh, way of counting. Uh, and then the final character that you meet is the paper bag, uh, which is a, um, you start off in a concrete room. The first thing you see are uh, two cockroaches having sex. That's a strange way to begin any game. But uh, yeah, you wake up in this concrete room. It's not really one that you revisit unless you are killed. Yeah, in the beginning of the game, you see a paper bag in the corner on a table that is that contains something bloody uh, that is bleeding through the paper. And um, after being killed by Lisa for the first time, the paper bag will start to talk to you, which is another strange experience. Um, it never is revealed what is in the paper bag. Um, there are some people that speculate that the fetus is in there there are some people that speculate that when you're killed by Lisa you hear like an unzipping of a zipper and kind of like a meaty you know being stabbed kind of sound so you know if if that's going on there's people that speculate that maybe it's like a like one of you know the main character's organs or maybe even his penis potentially if there's this kind of you know sexual component to Lisa's story and the murder of the family and all of that so there's there's a lot of speculation out there for what could be in this paper bag but for all intents and purposes it is a talking bag
2: yeah I'm still focusing on the maybe his penis potentially that's where my brain started shutting off during that conversation I'm not saying that just to be like a juvenile like it's like there's clearly those both you know sexual and you know and 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 childbirth you know themes and not even themes just outright references to these things with a talking fetus in a sink and then a and then a paper bag you know that is bleeding it's hard to not believe that they're connected in one way or another and at some points i i think like uh it depends on how deep you want to go down the metaphor hole i guess and Part of me thinks that like not knowing Kojima, like <laughs> like like was said earlier, but like like was he just did he just think putting a talking bloody bag in a game would be funny? Like because like or interesting or different, you know, uh, what's in the bag is is are we supposed to just speculate on that? Is that does it have a defined answer? I, you know, probably not. There's probably no real one answer to that question, and especially that we would never find out, you know, because um Silent Hills never mm-hmm. came to be. But it certainly does make you. Kind of guess, especially that first encounter, or the excuse me, the second encounter with the bag after you are killed by Lisa. Um, that 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 because that is like one of those moments of the game where you're kind of like really kind of taken away from this whole ghost story and being like, what, like, like in what metaphysical space am I even inhabiting at this point? Like, what's going on? What's the story behind all this? Yeah,
1: I think it's important that the bag talks to you at that point because if it were just a bag again, um, then I mean, the first time that I played through this, I thought I had messed up because, I mean, she kills you real dead. Mm-hmm. There, <laughs> yeah. you are. You have definitely, uh, you have definitely died at this point. And then when you get back up again, there's not really anything distinguishing it from the first time you woke up in this room. I don't think you see mm-hmm. the cockroaches again, but other than that, I mean you are waking up in the same place that you started this, however long ago you started it. So, uh, I mean, if, if the bag wasn't, if there wasn't a change in the bag, then I, I wonder how effective it would have been at conveying that, no, this was something that was supposed to happen. And, and what the bag says leads me to think that it's probably whatever is in that bag is probably part of you, um, be it an organ internal or external, I don't know, but, um, something that because it, it talks about how um, you know you are seeing yourself walking in front of yourself and the only me is me. So, I mean, that that kind of leans into the that with all the, the hash marks on the walls kind of leans into the fact that this loop has been going on for some time. And, you know, you hmm. I think maybe it's at that point that you realize that you have you have to do something to be able to break out of this, because otherwise you're just going to end up in this room every time something I even death is not going to stop you at that point. You're just going to keep waking up in this room. So
0: let's uh, go on and talk about the game's visuals. Uh, we've talked about the design of the hallway, but uh, I think it's worth drawing attention to just how much of a kind of a graphical showpiece this game is. Um, it It is, I don't want to say beautiful in that it's an ugly game, but it's beautifully rendered. <laughs> it's um like, it's still like for how early it was in the PlayStation 4's lifespan, it's incredible how realistic everything looks. And you know obviously it is rendering less stuff than you know bigger you know more ambitious games but this level of visual fidelity is still like even in 2020 even as we're seeing stuff being you know shown off on PlayStation 5 hardware it still feels like this level of visual fidelity is something to aspire to like it it really is almost if you were to take a screenshot of at least like the first shot of the hallway it feels indistinguishable from a photo like i would believe it's a photo if i didn't know the context of of the game it's really really impressive
3: yeah maybe maybe that's part of why i sort of struggle to visualize what would what would be turned into an actual full-length game out of this because i mean really uh when Mm. you're only creating an l-shaped hallway and a couple of other rooms uh you know with absolutely no idea about the development team on this, the amount of people that worked on it, the amount of time that was spent on it. But like you're looking at what in, in a lot of games would be a tiny, tiny portion of, of a game world. So presumably that means that you've got much more, um, you know, time and energy to spend making that one corridor look really spot on. Mm -hmm. And there's there's a sort of a slight uncanniness to the way that some of the objects and stuff are sitting on the tables when you look at it now. And I guess that is now six plus years down the line from where it started yeah, off. Yeah, that's but
2: wild to think about, isn't it? Yeah, it has been it's been more than a minute.
3: Yeah. Yeah, like it's technically very very impressive even for, you know, the the scale of it. And it's like I say it's hard to imagine for something that you can play in you know handful of minutes compared to what would potentially be a, you know multi-hour game especially with um you know some of the the legacy and the games that Kojima has worked on before and after this the it is sort of vast runtimes and the vast spaces that they've created it's hard to imagine that silent hills could have looked as good as this in its entirety but i guess again it's something that we'll never find out
2: about
0: but we see death stranding and that's even at that scale is extremely impressive in what they're able to accomplish yeah
2: yeah, it's um, it it's kind of, and if you even went through um, looking at Metal Gear Solid Five, which came out uh, after this, like like this, the way that it's able to render, like, kind of just like the detail of of smaller objects, and and just making like every item you're interacting with feel like a like a real like, for lack of a better term, a fully realized object, or like not just like a good 3D model, but like like care and attention going into each detail of 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 each thing you interact with. It does. Create that illusion that you're really there in that hallway um i still uh yeah I still kind of um kind of kind of long for you know that feeling of, of it, you- I, I'm having trouble. I've had trouble putting into words earlier and I'm having even more trouble now, but it just feels like a real space in a way that a lot of video games fail to capture. It just feels like that hallway can and does exist in several, you know, faux Victorian homes across Europe and Americas. You know, it's just it has I just it's such a believable space. And since it's such a believable space, the fact that things are so well realized and that little cut out alcove where the end table and the clock like sits like that's a that's a real space in many real homes you know the the table that has the phone on it with you know kind of stuff strewn about it just it it all adds up to like this was a real place that real life was being lived before all of this you know all of the you know the 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 murder (laughs) all the murder happened
0: and uh, some really impressive lighting design as well whether it's shadows being cast by um, objects uh, in your control with the um, with the flashlight or my personal favorite is when the I don't want to call it a chandelier, but kind of a hanging light, a giant hanging light uh, that's right by the kind of front entryway starts swinging around. And, um, you know, that casts like really striking and really severe sh- shadows as it moves um, all of it real time. And uh, again, like for where we were during that point of the console life cycle, like really, really impressive stuff. Um, the lighting throughout the kind of subtle reflections on the wood, flooring is uh, the kind of thing that you're really only starting to see with some regularity these days. Um, Yeah, again, I'm very impressed by the lighting work that has been done. Uh, Also, I wanted to kind of open the door if we have any more notes about the audio. We've talked a little bit about the hauntings, we've talked about the radio, and um, uh, some of the kind of incidental uh, or you know, sounds that would accompany events that take place, but any other, uh, thoughts on the audio design of the game
2: throughout? Yeah, it's creepy as hell in the best way (laughs) possible. I, um, like I said, I played it with a room of four people. I kind of, it's one of those things now, if I had it on, um, on my personal playstation it'd be something that i'd really like to experience with headphones at some point because i believe uh that would be that would just kind of put me over the edge I, I kid you not i don't get easily scared by video games but i playing this in a room of with three other people i was still getting terrified by the creaks and groans and the you know just kind of the otherworldly you know whether it be like kind those liquidy noises or just kind of like the you know the shifting of the house the swaying of the light uh the light fixture and, the, and the kind mm-hmm. of the foyer like all of that together really does it's a it's a whole sensory experience and it kind of ties into the end we're using the microphone and we'll talk about that in a minute It just like it really is just it just kind of it kind of forces you to engage with all your senses to, to to get the most out of it and uh so yeah the audio design um was superb again it's just more and more boxes i'm checking as why i'm disappointed that we didn't see more of things like this
0: Simply Wonderful from the forum says, visually, it's dripping at times, literally with fear inducing aesthetic you'd find in any set of horror. But for me, the best thing about PT is what it does with its sound design. I've never been so afraid of silence. And the moment I'm hit with something like a phone ringing, I immediately know I'm about to have an unpleasant experience. (laughs) The odd snippet of distorted information you receive about the tragic events that may or may not have happened in the house. Begin to lay down some stepping stones of what the experience was leading up to. Yep. I, I'd say, I, I agree with that. I think this game does make exceptional use of its silence as well.
3: <laughs> yeah, the uh, the um, descriptor dripping with fear-inducing aesthetic is very, very good.
0: Let's get into the actual gameplay. Um, I have kind of listed out like a complete list of everything you do in the game with each loop. I'm not going to go through all of that because there's a lot there. Uh, but essentially to kind of boil it down, um, you are looping through an L-shaped hallway that kind of leads back to its own beginning point in a, uh, kind of an a impossible loop kind of way. Um, you'll notice it is always descending. You always descend stairs at the end of each loop. And, um, so you are always going downwards in a way that feels very kind of true to the silent hill type of, uh, ethos, um, But uh, as you progress through the loops, as you are kind of continuing to go through these loops, uh, some things will change along the way. Um, uh, They'll start off in very subtle ways. Doors will be locked that weren't locked before. Other doors will open that allow you access to the bathroom or environmental details will shift. Um, And eventually you have to start kind of solving some light puzzles Uh, there's a point at which you have to uh, zoom into a photograph that has a message that says gouge out her eye and has a big blue X underneath it. And so you just have to zoom in, press the cross button on the controller, and the eye will be gouged out of the photo, uh, allowing you to progress. There's a point at which you need to transfer a message across two walls. It's weirder than it sounds. It's a Essentially, uh, you are kind of walking back and forth between these spaces and moving one letter of a message with you at a time. Uh, It's something that's done automatically as long as you are kind of focusing on each spot. And occasionally you'll have to focus on some environmental details. Um, Eventually it does become more abstract as you go. I think most notably, there's a point at which the, hallway becomes kind of drenched in red light and everything becomes very blurry you move at significantly faster pace than you normally do but the blur makes it feel like you're maybe on some sort of a drug trip or something like that like it's feels more like altered perception than your character actually moving faster Um, at that point the uh, kind of structure of the hallway changes you are not going on the regular l you are rounding the corner to like a mirror version of the hallway that you were just in and that kind of loops uh, or kind of continues snaking until you find a, um, until you find a hole in the wall that allows you to kind of progress through the, through the, uh, to the next loop. Um, but anyways, it does become more and more abstract as it goes and sometimes kind of resets to normalcy in, in ways that feel very unsettling. Um, and then, you know, there is a kind of more substantial puzzle at the end that involves performing some very specific actions to trigger baby laughs but uh let's let's separate out that kind of final puzzle towards the end um is is there anything that you want to note about things that you found interesting about the um the first you know uh, 12 uh, 11 12 loops through the hallway or kind of your experience with um going through those early hallway loops
1: it's very good at making you do things that you don't want to do like mm. Because in in many cases, doing the things you don't want or looking at the things that are supposed to be scary is how you have to go in order to progress. Like you have to look into the crack in that bathroom mm. for her to slam shut the door. Uh, you you have yeah. to walk towards very early on Lisa in the hallway or or you just don't progress. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I just I just found that very effective uh, at, at ratcheting up the tension.
3: Yeah. And at the same time, there's some bits that uh, almost seem arbitrary, like the the bit where you mentioned that the message transfers between the two hallways or between the two areas. Um, I think it would be entirely possible to not really know what you were doing and just be wandering around in the hall waiting for something to happen. And you mm-hmm. just sort of trigger that just by accident almost. And the... Um, the bit where you get stuck in the bathroom with the fetus for the first time, it seems somewhat unsure what the actual trigger to to get back out is. I think you're supposed to look at the mirror after the door stops shaking. But again, if you're just sort of there and you don't really know what you're doing, eventually things will happen. So, I mean, there's that aspect relatively early where you can feel pretty aimless and pretty kind of lost and, and just sort of muddy your way through it. But as you say, at the same time, there's some very specific things that you have to do that as you, yeah as you point out you don't really want to have to look at this crack in the doorway knowing oh this is almost certainly going to do something spooky and the um the bathroom where the picture falls off the wall and you have to look through the peephole Uh, I haven't actually personally seen a jump scare happen with that peephole, but it's such a strong horror trope of like looking through something and suddenly something appears in your face. And I'm sure that um, I either in the past when the game was kind of new and being talked about more, there were either people talking about there being a jump scare there or videos of it happening. But I mean, maybe that's apocryphal and people were just sort of playing up the, the kind of the spooky aspect of it.
0: I think you can see from the other end, from within the bathroom, you can see obviously that peephole from the other direction. And I think if you look at that early in the game, it might even just be kind of like a, you know, a way that the light kind of reflects off of the you know the wall that's behind it but uh it does seem like there's movement in that people looking from the bathroom without uh it almost looks like there's another eye looking back in at you but again yeah. it could be something that we're all making up there's I, I haven't seen a definitive answer to that
3: yeah see that i think that's what i've heard people saying that you do see somebody looking through at you but when i was playing it a couple of days ago I was looking at that point because I think that's that's when you get trapped in the bathroom when the the haunting is going on outside, and it sounds like Lisa's trying to get in, and I tried to find sort of an eye or somebody looking in through that peephole and couldn't so I mean maybe we we're just kind of extension you know extending the the room here.
1: It would make sense though if I mean if you are looping if you have been looping through this hallway forever, I mean that my immediate assumption is that if there is an eyeball looking in, it's supposed to be you from a different loop.
2: oh yeah, that's, that's, cool. that's a cool idea i never thought about that just to piggyback off what everybody else said is just it has all those moments where it's like you know the, the only way to progress is by moving forward and it just puts you in a position where you do not feel like you want to do that <laughs> for a number of reasons like you're either putting yourself at risk or you're going to see some stuff that you don't want to see and and yeah that's that, that's kind of you know the like it puts you in that situation where the only other place to go is just to turn the game off and um i think that's really effective and really cool
0: Let's finish off by talking about these final puzzles. So ultimately, once you complete the, you know, first 12 loops of the game, your 13th loop, uh, assuming each loop has kind of progressed you onto the next thing. So kind of colloquially, the 13th loop might be for you experientially more than that. But uh, uh, it does kind of drop you into one final puzzle that you have to solve to get the Silent Hills teaser video at the end. and. This is interesting because the community both solved it a lot faster than Kojima was expecting and also to this day hasn't solved it. <laughs> so, um it's a, simultaneously it's a real kind of Schrödinger's cat situation where yeah, like we can trigger it with some regularity but there's still a point in the puzzle that we don't know the solution to. We know generally how to progress but it's not like 100% sure this is going to work every time kind of thing. And to me, that feels pretty magical. Like I kind of love that. It's, um, it makes it feel, it makes it feel like it's still kind of alive. Like there's still mysteries to be solved. And it kind of invites you to, uh, to further speculate about, you know, what else have we not, uncovered and discovered even after all this. I mean there's there's weird stuff in there that like nobody's been able to explain yet. Like there are ways that we can change the flashlight color at various points. Um there's some uh some strange stuff that like we haven't been able to connect back to any kind of like internal logic. And um so let let's go through these final puzzles. So in the final loop, you are trying to hear three baby laughs that Trigger a phone call, which opens the door to um, to letting you progress to the teaser puzzle or to teaser trailer at the end of the game. Uh, the first baby laugh is triggered by waiting uh, until the digital clock clicks over to midnight, and then walking exactly ten steps. The second laugh is triggered by having a PlayStation microphone, like a headset microphone, plugged in. But uh, the method of triggering it is kind of uncertain. You would, uh, Some people say you have to be looking at the ghost of Lisa as she approaches in the hallway um, after kind of walking the 10 steps. Some say it's not necessary to look at the ghost, uh, but everyone agrees that there's some sort of microphone component. Um, some say they have the most regularity of success if they say the name Jareth. Uh, which is um, using the 7780's uh, studio name as a cipher, a numerology cipher, assuming that is uh, that is trees reversed because there are trees on the loading screen where the 7780 studio is introduced. Using that as a cipher, we can decode the two eight zero four three, whatever the number sequence was um, to be uh, to be the, the name Jareth, which seems to play into the um, a few messages has sent to you throughout the game that are signed with the letter J implying that it, like including one that says call out to me and I'll assist you or something like that. And so, you know, assuming all those pieces relate to one another it would make sense that you would have to say the name of a character whose name starts with J and Jareth is kind of where we landed on with the numerology puzzle. Again, kind of going back to the great debate and the work that they've done. Um, But again, it is kind of one of those things where it's like most of the time it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, They've been able to get that second baby laugh. Is by saying other names that start with J but not all names starting with J they're able to get the second baby laugh sometimes by just waiting for a very long time it's it's very strange uh, and then there is a third baby laugh by uh, basically just standing still after the second one uh, <laughs> until your controller starts vibrating and um, then it stops vibrating it'll laugh and allow you to progress so uh, strange set of puzzles um, they're uh, kind of reference throughout the game in a way like there's some very oblique hints throughout the game that kind of in retrospect um seem to relate to this kind of final sequence of events but uh yeah it's um it's a real stumper if you're if you're not going into it with some kind of a guide or something
3: i think it's wild that in this day and age especially with something that came out this recently that there are still possibly mysteries in here that haven't been a hundred percent pinned down like usually you'd expect to see every single skerrick of detail about a game would just be ripped apart by data miners immediately like in some cases before the games even come out so the idea that six years later there are still things here that we know sort of work but don't really know why they work is yeah i think that's fascinating i i can't believe that that it hasn't been all just torn to pieces by now.
1: I think that's probably part of the fact that it is still kind of disappearing. You know, there is no way to get new copies of this game that, that we've come across. So yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely a, uh, a rare thing to have something like this. I guess what it sort of makes me think of is a game that I have not actually played uh, very much of, but uh, Fez, like there's, there's just stuff in there that it, 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 it kind of harkens back to you know the the playground passing around of, of cheat codes or whatever uh it it's as close Throwing as we're going to yeah it's as close as we're going to get to something like that a time where the internet is what it is so uh it's I, I i think that's part of pt is so important and and as influential as it has been
0: and finally there's a kind of a minor optional puzzle that you can play throughout the game actually the there are some pictures of or pieces of a torn up photograph that you can find throughout the game. Uh, some of them are very well hidden in kind of nooks and corners of the hallway. You just have to kind of zoom in on them and and press X and or maybe it's just zooming in on them and uh, they'll collect them uh, and piece them together in one of the frames um, in the hallway and uh, it'll spell out a message to you at the end of it. but yeah, there's some clever stuff. I mean one of them is even hidden in the pause menu. I know that that's been done a few times before with games like Year Walk, where, you know, sometimes vital stuff will be kind of hidden in the in the menus and ways that kind of break the fourth wall, but uh, I love that kind of thing. There's, there's a little bit of fourth wall breaking in here, as you would expect from a Kojima game. There's points at which the character's point of view seem to be kind of glitched out, like a video camera starting to fail, and so... Um, There's a point at which you get a kind of, you know, standard Metal Gear Solid uh, type of, you know, video error message like the game has crashed. Um, So, you know, there's that level of things. But um, the picture puzzle is not necessary for completing the game. It is just kind of an optional extra.
1: I did not know that. I thought it was mandatory.
0: Yeah, so did I. Oh, I don't think so. I mean, maybe. Um, I think I saw somewhere that
3: it stops Lisa from killing you or something like that. Like It makes you invulnerable to Lisa, but I don't really understand what that that means in the greater context.
0: Oh, geez. Well, I'm going to go and find those picture pieces then. That sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, uh, Milkerson from the forum says, Every time Lisa appeared, we would scream, drop the controller, and pick it back up. I remember saying to my friends, This is just the teaser. Imagine how scary the real game is going to be. It turns out Silent Hills was cursed from the beginning. And the fact that it was canceled makes it extra creepy. I mean, it does kind of like the fact that it is disappearing in reality and the fact that like it is almost kind of like a ghost itself of a game that was killed. Like that's, that's interesting. It's kind of creepy. It kind of adds to it. Let's let's kind of talk about uh, as we're kind of wrapping up the where this sits in video game history. We've talked about it being an influential game, but I wanted to kind of contextualize a little bit. Um, I put together a, like a short list of influences and uh, things that it went on to influence. But um, if anyone else has ideas for you know games that either kind of preceded this that Kojima would have drawn inspiration from, or those that um, that did you know this went on to very broadly kind of inspire a lot of uh creation in the horror genre um but the kind of points of inspiration that i uh, that i took as being kind of the most direct were amnesia the dark descent um this feels very very i, I don't know i mean f- for being like a amnesia felt in the horror genre like a real turning point in video games and i feel like pt is maybe another turning point, but definitely kind of riding the wave that amnesia kicked off. And so, you know, definitely not um, definitely shouldn't go through the entire podcast without uh, giving a shout out to the OG of, of this kind of style of, of horror as, um, as it evolved and uh, the movie Eraserhead, you know, there's a few kind of the fetus most, most definitely, but you know, just kind of a few kind of tonal uh, elements throughout that made me think that, you know, potentially Kojima could be a big David Lynch fan. Um, any other influences that you uh, that you picked up throughout the game?
3: It's, it's hard to sort of go back and say uh, more like these are things that were, you know, PT seemed to draw inspiration from because I think it's amnesia is the very obvious one because that game kind of, if not, or frictional, if not created that kind of vulnerable kind of semi walking simulator style horror experience Um, amnesia was certainly the thing that brought that to the forefront and was the game that launched loads of crappy twitch streamers and screaming (laughs) videos and things like that and pt very very much fell into that groove behind it but it's it's difficult to look at things before that that really had that um you know lack of very much interactivity lack of any sort of combat mechanics or anything anything at all i mean even even compared to pt amnesia has an inventory and items that you pick up and tons of things that you interact with and it has enemies that have very specific kind of set requirements for when they appear and when they disappear and what you can do to escape from them and stuff so um, i it's i can't think of anything else that was directly like pt before it but i mean then following on uh, there's been thousands of games that you can see really clear influences from in the previous you know in the in the 6 years since then
0: yeah i think it went on to influence a lot uh, most directly resident evil 7 i feel like um you know if it isn't kind of a riff on pt already it is more action based but if it isn't a riff on pt already it it feels like pt opened the door to producing uh, to making a more kind of traditional horror based horror experience marketable in a way like it feels like uh like the directors of resident evil 7 went back to the bosses at konami and said like guys look like or sorry went to the bosses at capcom and said guys look konami can do it like we can too you know it felt like that was really the the impetus to make resident evil like the experience the type of experience that it was and um especially that uh the demo that came out beforehand feels uh with its um
3: oh that vr demo as well that kitchen demo was was yeah quite similar in tone
0: and uh, then there's been you know some games since then that, that have been seemingly very kind of directly inspired by pt like to the point at which like the developers openly talk about it uh so allison road and visage uh you know the blueberry team games as we've mentioned before with layers of fear uh it just feels like there's a lot of um you know, you almost see people talking about like PT like games in the same way we talk about roguelikes or soul like type games. It's kind of become a subgenre in and of itself, in a way.
3: Yeah. And I mean, these are these are big games as well. I'm sure that the, you know, itch.io store and Steam like Greenlight and stuff is probably absolutely chocked to the gills with sure, yeah. very short Unity flip style games that uh, are pulling from this.
0: And perhaps it's unfair to skip over like slender the eight pages or whatever that was like you know for being a indie game like it's, it's probably the type of game that kojima would have uh played kind of in preparation for producing a um silent hill game on uh modern consoles so yeah i don't know interesting stuff all around and of course this went on to influence death stranding as well in that um after the team that uh, kojima had assembled this kind of all-star team Of of talent um, to produce Silent Hills uh, after the game was canceled and that team kind of disbanded. He ended up kind of bringing a lot of them together again to uh, to produce and uh, I'd say most of the time star in Death Stranding as well. So um, Del Toro was a part of Death Stranding and um, obviously Norman Reedus and you know who knows whether some of the other kind of big names that uh, were involved in Death Stranding would have played a part in um, Silent Hills. My guess is that they probably would have. We haven't seen Junji Ito on the, the roster list again, but who knows? In the future, I hope that their, their paths cross again. Badger Catcher says, When I upgraded to a PS4 Pro, I even kept my original console because it still has PT on it. Telling my wife I'd sell it next weekend for almost two years, I couldn't quite convince myself to let it go, even though I'd never actually played it again. Just happy to know I still had it sitting quietly and safely unplugged. Now, with the new consoles looming, I know I'm going to have to sell my original PS4 to help fund the PS5, inevitably deleting everything from it, sadly unhaunting it, and downgrading it to just another blank PS4. Well, anyone who's in that position, uh, don't do that. Uh, Transfer it to a PS4 Pro. You can transfer it. You can transfer the game. Uh, You may even be able to transfer, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, to the PlayStation 5. So... Please preserve your copy of PT if, if it is, you know. Obviously, if you need to sell your PS4 to transfer it to a PS5, totally do so. You know, we don't want to put anyone under financial hardship. We aren't protecting an endangered animal species. This is just a video game. But uh, you know, your 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 life livelihood and money comes first. But um, you know, there are ways. Don't feel like you're backed into a corner. There are ways to preserve pt um other than keeping old consoles around if you don't need them anymore
1: also if you were going to sell your your ps4 it's probably worth a lot more with pt on it to be honest with you
2: yeah
0: that's true i wonder if i wonder how you could do that and securely sell it without leaving your your credit card information information. (laughs) you know uh, but i'm sure there's ways there's probably lots of articles and stuff written about that Uh, Lastly, I wanted to talk about some recreations. We've mentioned a couple up front. There is a Unity remake and an Unreal remake. The Unreal one is just about as close to P.T. as you're going to get these days on the PC. Um, Really, really impressive stuff. Uh, There are also remakes in A Hat in Time if you want to play P.T. as a kind of Mario 64 style platformer, which is um, more effective at being scary than you would think and has a lot of Really, really clever <laughs> references back to the original game um I should say recreating p t has become kind of a kind of a mark of passage in a way for um for games that involve level creators like it's become kind of an in joke among the video gaming community in a way of saying like it's such a simple structure, but at the same time it has so much bizarre, strange triggers and stuff like that that it's like okay, anyone can recreate the L-shaped hallway. That's not difficult. How much of the weird stuff and how much of the game progression can you kind of cleverly work into A Hat in Time or Dreams? So yeah, people have recreated it in Dreams. People have recreated it in Half-Life Alex, If you want to play it in VR, good luck to you. I will not be joining you. People have made it in (laughs) HyperCard. If you want to play it um, in a very lo-fi, you know, Mac- Uh, early Mac uh, type of uh, really impressive, really funny, um, really cool. Uh, And people have, uh, uh i'm seeing observer i don't know if i added that one to the yeah, list
3: yeah i i added this to the uh to the sheet um this isn't a, a full recreation as as some of the previous ones are this is more kind of an easter egg uh built into observer where you go into a specific room in the building and it it um it goes through a looping hallway that has a very similar look to pt and has a bunch of jump scares and stuff hidden within it so it's it, less of a, a remake and more of like an easter egg really for that game. But very, very clearly, uh, drawing from PT.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I don't know if I picked up on that when I played,
3: I think it's in one of the rooms that you don't have to go into. It's like completely non plot uh, mandatory. And it's, I think you have to find a a hidden, uh, data card somewhere to get the code to go into the room. So it's very missable.
0: That's cool. Well, it's one of those things where it's like, I want this to become a, like one of those video game Easter eggs that just kind of lives throughout all time. Like I want, one building in each game to have a hallway that just like it doesn't have to loop it doesn't have to do anything spooky or supernatural i just want like the alcoves and the tables and the telephone like everything in the right spot so that like people can walk through it sure but like if you know what's up what's up then like you're like oh i see what you i see what you did there Um, make it happen game developers of the next generation (laughs)
3: It just makes me imagine like a real estate agent showing you around a property. It's like opening mm. a doorway. It's like, and here we have the PT room. Close oh the doorway. My gosh. Like, oh yeah. this I was standard. touring
0: houses and a real estate agent, like just nonchalantly opened the door and I, it looked like the PT hallway, I don't know what I would do. I would say like, I would either buy the house immediately or just leave and never want to look back. <laughs> oh, that's, that's fantastic. Alright, uh, three-word reviews. These were sent in by the community. If you would like to leave us a three-word review, look out on the day of recording, and you can submit one to the Canon Twitter, at Cane or you can uh, submit one at any time on our CaneandRinse.com slash forum, uh, where you can uh, uh, find topics for all of the shows that we are going to be talking about in the current volume. Not many remain, but uh, the next volume is going to be announced within the next couple of months, so um. Yeah, those forum topics will start to populate again. Let's start this off with Louis Proctor, who says PlayStation Five compatible.
1: Andrew Elmore says still installed, and then there's a uh, an emoji with fingers crossed, which I don't know if that counts as a that word, but we'll, we'll let it. We'll let it go. We'll let it go. <laughs>
0: That's good enough for me.
2: <laughs> Bearfish Pie says PT poop trousers. Uh, Ludo Narrative FM
3: says ultimate horror experience.
0: Our own Tom Quilfelt says. Scared of me,
1: Dad gamer 18 says, gone too soon.
0: Razmound says,
3: oh, hello, Lisa. Uh, SMTV is delayed, says re-release this demo.
0: And Simon Sloth says, best E3 surprise. I don't huh. know if it lines up timing-wise with E3. <laughs> I think it's
3: GameCon, but the, uh, I the thought sentiment game is the same. Too, yeah.
0: The sentiment uh, rings true anyways anyways uh we've uh we've talked quite a bit about pt today let's just wrap up this 20 minute experience at the end of our two hour and 20 minute podcast for uh for the patrons anyways um brian what is your takeaway and do you recommend that people somehow play pt in the future
2: <laughs> uh yeah i do uh for for a lot of reasons and i will be very brief about them here um it just it sums up so much about this generation for me um the playstation 4 xbox uh one generation if you can call them generations anymore like it's it's incredibly tight experience um that is has incredible visuals and has a lot of atmosphere and it's just kind of like it just showcases like how far video games have come for like like what they can make you feel and then on top of that it's just like this other it's a it's like a curio like in in video game history that if you're at all interested in in kind of like the, the the history and the shape of of how video games have grown over the years like pt um for better or worse is kind of one of those, you know, bricks in the wall of, you know, where video games are and where they're going to be. Um I I am a a huge Resident Evil 7 fan. Um I played Resident Evil 7 multiple times. I've played it in PSVR. I loved it. The reason that a, a major company like Capcom took a took a leap and going and changing the style of their horror game to to this first person kind of close quarters experience is because of games like pt and because of of kind of i don't want to call them risks but just kind of like logical next steps that this game just took in creating that atmosphere that i don't think you could have done necessarily on in previous generations it does does so many things so well in such a short period of time that that as purely as a video game it, it is something very fun and interesting to behold especially if you like like um horror games. And then on top of that, if, if you're just interested in video game history, the history of Konami, Kojima and all these other things, like it just kind of becomes one of those things that even if you only get to interact with this through a Let's Play, you should do it just to kind of see what it is, because I think it's I think it will have a lot longer lasting of an impact than a lot of other things that came out this generation.
0: Absolutely. I, I agree with that. Uh, my own personal summary, I think I've been pretty clear throughout that I I hold this game in very high esteem. It's not one that I probably, you know, play that much. You know, I'll go back to it every once in a while, but like, I just love thinking about it. I love the impression that it makes. It's impressive to look at. It's expertly paced, and um, it's just such an effective, straightforward horror experience. That um, uh, yeah, it's a really, really impressive title. I uh, I like it a lot. Um, it's one that I frequently show new people. I really hope that Kojima does get to go back and do a horror game in the future. Something that, you know, kind of in name only doesn't have to be a Silent Hill game because apparently, you know, this game didn't really, I mean, it it thrived on being so kind of untethered from previous Silent Hill titles. Um, You know, it, it was exciting because it was so unique and we didn't know what to expect from it. And that's what really gave it its power and its kind of staying power, its haunting potential. So, yeah you know, as it becomes more difficult to find, I hope that there comes a way in the future for it to be more kind of like, you know, preserved in its original state, whether it's Konami, you know, re-releasing it, or, you know, maybe the game being made more widely available when PS4 emulation pops up, uh, whatever it is, like, I hope this game survives because, you know, it's 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 always tragic to lose something like this to history. And, um, you know, as time goes on. There are fewer and fewer copies of it out there. Um, the recreation efforts are tremendous in, uh, in in doing what they can. And I think it's been very, very well cataloged and, um, and kept alive via YouTube recordings, but, um, you know, it's only so far that that gets you. Um, so it's, it's an interesting title. I'm really thankful that we had the chance to talk about it. You know, after all these years of requesting it, I'm, I'm really happy that, uh, we, gave it the attention it deserves because i think it is a game that has gone on to really influence the entire kind of video gaming community at large anyways yeah that's me recommend uh leah
1: so pt is um a bit of a rare bird uh as as we've kind of mentioned before you know it, it is getting harder and harder to find and that's not something that you see very often uh in in this digital age, if you want to call it that, um, game preservation has has been pretty good by and large. And you know, yes, there are definitely, I'm I'm sure, although I couldn't name any um, demos and uh, probably smaller games that are not available widely anymore or that have been pulled from from stores. But by and large, this is something that so many people have kind of made a thing. Like this didn't have to be a thing, but uh, but people really have kind of boosted it to that level. And um, I, I think it deserves it personally. I I had um, a really good time playing this game when I did, uh, just because of the types of games that I like and the, the type of gameplay experience that I like. I think it's extremely effective as a horror game. Uh, it does a lot of very smart things and a lot of very sneaky things. There may be points where I think it is maybe a little bit too obscure for its own good, but that only kind of leads to the experience of people banding together and and learning from each other's run-throughs to figure things out piece by piece. You know, and and even now, you know, it's not figured out completely. Um, So I, I think it's it's important to me not only as a game, but also just kind of as an oddity, just a, a cool thing that you don't see very often and, and is just super interesting. I recommend playing P.T. if you can. I haven't played personally any of the um, the uh, kind of recreations, but I have bookmarked the Unreal one, and I'm going to uh, see if I can give that a try uh, sometime in the Halloween season. So uh, if you want to give that a try, great. Uh, there are tons and tons and tons of videos that um, either with or without commentary that you can uh, check out depending on what you're interested in. And I recommend that you do. Heart- hearty recommend from me as well. Wish it had been a full game, but I think that this is in some ways almost better. I, th-
0: I think it benefits from the constraints being put on it. You know, sometimes yeah. Kojima goes a little bit too far when he has unlimited freedom so this is kind of the <laughs> ultimate way say. of keeping him boxed in <laughs> the ultimate editor in a way uh and john
3: yeah i don't think i have a huge amount of uh unique opinions to drop on this that haven't already been either said throughout the podcast or have been part of one of the three of you's uh, uh summaries already but um yeah i think it probably goes without saying that this as a standalone demo trailer teaser product I mean, it hits a huge amount of high points in the genre in itself. It kind of, it feels like it's it's checking all of the boxes of the things that it sets out to do, and that it's trying to uh, feelings that it's trying to evoke from you. It feels rare in a a world where there are so many, um, you know, large games, big AAA studios, and places putting out games that are very long and very kind of flabby feeling and uh it it sort of falls down to the the indie scene generally to to keep these smaller more concise um uh, experiences and it's on one hand it's very weird to see something like this stamped with the names of Konami and Kojima because they're not um absolutely not um outlets that you'd expect to be getting something uh, that doesn't fall into that sort of 100 hour slog through side missions and things um so i think from a horror perspective from a uh, a kind of a demo perspective and even even if you just ignore the fact that it is a demo and just think this is this is just a standalone experience like it it does a really really good job of um it, it just it draws in it's as we spoke about, there are mysteries and stuff that have still not been solved. There's theory videos. I mean, there's there's the amount of content and stuff come out of this that you'd expect from, you know, any large-scale game that, you know, might have 20, 50 times the amount of content that this does. As you've all said, it's it's an unqualified recommendation, but it's also an absolute pig to try and to try and get hold of it now. And if you didn't uh, already download it and play it in 2014 it's pretty unlikely that you're going to have easy access to it now on on a playstation um but the uh, a couple of the recreations that i i struggled a little bit with the unity or oh, sorry the um unreal one trying to get it to to work properly but that's probably more of a me issue than than the, the project but those those two um, recreations that are available and by all means if you're interested and you haven't played this before Absolutely, go and try and give it a go. The probably more contentious side of my uh, summary about this is that I'm quite pleased that this didn't ever, uh, you know, it never sort of unfolded into Silent Hills, and it didn't really, you know, let all of its um, its its mysteries out. Because I think as a as a one-off, tiny little standalone thing it does a better job of evoking the the sense of mystery and stuff than it would uh, in a larger game, and especially one created by somebody like Kojima, who I have some struggles um, sort of coming to terms with how he puts... Uh, content and things into his game the the sort of the excessive amount of things that he likes to do and the kind of the unrestrained feeling that he had with death stranding particularly as the project that may have sort of spawned out of silent hills just it it leaves me feeling a little bit hollow about what might have happened to pt or like where that had gone and the other side of that is I'm quite precious about um, this, uh, the Silent Hill franchise and my, my personal feelings specifically about the first couple of games in that franchise. And I'm, although it's sad that that stopped being a thing and has effectively gone away now and not had a game out for eight or nine years at the point of recording this, um, I kind of would rather see it left alone instead of trying to be rebooted and, and bought back with, a different studio behind it, a different name behind it, potentially a totally different vision behind it. Like I'd rather see these uh, kind of small projects that are, are standalone and, you know, can do whatever they want to without even having the, the kind of the binding of a, a bigger franchise name on the top of it. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's disappointing that nothing ever happened, but at the same time we're left with PT and that's, it might be small, but it's a gem.
0: All right. Thank you very much. It remains for me, Ryan, to thank Brian, Leah, and John, as well as our correspondents. Plus, of course, you for listening. Uh, have a happy Halloween to our patrons and, uh, to everyone else. Hope you're enjoying November. (laughs) Um, we may or may not be depending on how certain things go. Um, anyways, next time in issue 442, I scream, you scream, we all scream because we have no mouths and we really must.
1: Look behind you. I said, look behind you.